city. It is this sprawling massive place miles and miles across. Been here as long as anyone can remember. Nobles play their power games. Guilds maneuver for money and influence. Dark things emerge from the shadows to hunt. And the lamplighters take everything in while keeping the darkness at bay. The thing I always wonder is why. Why do these lamplighters keep the darkness back? What investment do they have in Avalon? Streets of Avalon, an urban RPG setting by Brett Blazinski for the world's most popular role-playing game. Ask for it at your friendly local game store or head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash streets. Gaming NBS, episode 337, being recorded Monday, April 12th, 2021! Welcome to Gaming NBS, tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad everybody's here. Sean, how the hell are you, man? I'm doing fantastic, Brett. How are you? Pretty good. A little sore. I did something today. Um, I turned, like, oddly, but the same way I've been turning for a while, but to my left, and I got the most horrible shooting pain in my neck. It was freaking nasty. Almost knocked me into my knees. That did not feel good. Don't know what I did. I was putting on a, I was putting on a shirt earlier, and I uh, had to bend down to pick something up, and I uh, felt this. Out. I felt that same thing in my back. It's because you're old, yeah. older than me. It's fantastic. It's great. <laughs> like it was like, oh, uh, uh, what the hell? <laughs> well, I used to like you know you watch Happy Days or something, and uh, old man Cunningham would throw out his back, and they'd have to stand on him or something, and I'd always laugh like, what the hell? I don't understand it. I understand it. Yeah, now. there's a, so I'm struggling with the huh. It might just getting older. Is this because of surgery, <laughs> or is it both? Anyway, so it's talking about happy shit. Did you get any gaming in since we talked, man? Yeah, I did. What'd you do? What what dice did you roll? What game did you play? Played Delta Green on Tuesday. Seventeen hundreds. Yeah. Shit got real. Did it get real? It got real. Nice. It's got real. I think he said there's maybe one, two sessions left, which would be a month. And then he would be, it would be time for him to relinquish the GM chair. Nah. Jimmy was not present. I would be the only one there that would have been in in the line of succession. I see. I don't know, though. We'll see. I, uh... I'm not sure if I want to run. I was like, yeah, I'll run. You know, I, I can be ready or somebody else wants to. That's fine. And then after the weekend, I'm kind of like, mm, I don't mm. know. I don't know if I want do to. Do I want to? Do I not want to? Yeah. I don't know if I want to. And then sa- Saturday, oh, yesterday, I ran Star Wars Fantasy Flight Games for the, the Jeff group. How'd that go? Uh, I know one one person thoroughly enjoyed it, left me a comment on our forums, like uh, the forums I use to coordinate. He was like, it was really fun. First time with the narrative dice. I could appreciate like the action and some of the stuff that occurred. I don't think did it- Jeff, Did think, Jeff send you a dead rat as he promised? Uh, if he doesn't like the game, he sends Sean a dead rat. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he did show up though, even though he said that he was uh, not going to be able to. So Well, yeah. Well, Jeff's surprise. That's good. Well, a pleasant surprise, indeed. 
So exactly. I, I uh, yeah, so it went okay. I Saturday morning I streamed a little bit, complaining about a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But uh, overall, I think it was some of it was constructive. But uh, very good. Some people might know why I might be hip on that Star Wars game, and some may not. And same with the Delta Green. So yeah, there you go. And then this Thursday, I've got uh, Forbidden Lands. There you go. There you go. Very nice. Stuff's going to be starting to pick up over there in the Forbidden Lands world. Well, let's see. For me, I had um, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage Undermountain. We did that. Why Probably is the mage actually, so mad? Can you just find out for me and report back for me? We're Brent? trying. We're we're trying to find that out. Halister Black Cloak has not been too forthcoming with the reasons for his madness, but we're checking. Okay. Well, he's, um, he's mad crazy, not mad like I'm really mad. I'm angry down well, here. It's hard to tell. Seems crazy. Seems it could be a little bit of both. Oh, don't know. A little from column A, a little from column B. Spoilers: The mage is mad. <laughs> <laughs> actually, um, that was one of the better sessions we had. In which I uh, texted my buddy Lenny and said, "Hey, it was actually pretty good." He was really. I said, "Yeah, you weren't there." He goes, "You dick." Um, oh, so hey oh. That was kind of fun. Hit him with that. And uh, let's see here. Then, oh, I played. Uh, I can maybe mention this. Um, yeah, so Tuesdays now at the house is the every Tuesday six or seven p.m. We've got the D and D with AJ and Alana. So that was cool. So that was that w- that went off well. First edition, first edition Forgotten Realms game, and then AJ wanted to uh, kind of do an alternating thing where he's got fifth edition and he wants to run the Midgard world because you had given me that setting book a while back, and I did not want to get rid of it. But I'm like, AJ, would you like this? He goes, Oh, that sounds like it's got a lot of cool stuff that I like, Viking stuff and this stuff. I'm like, Yes, read this book. So he's happy as hell. He sat down sessions here, like, Okay, this is how the world works. This is the ley lines. This is this. This is this, and. He was really, uh, he was prepared. He was pretty happy. Very pleased. Then his uh, his uh, 15th birthday is tomorrow, officially, but this last weekend, he had his little uh, little uh, buddy hangout thing going on. And uh, he's like, I want you to run D&D for my friends and I again. I've been doing that for him for most of his birthdays. I'm like, sure, I could do that. I'm like, man, these guys are like 14, 15-year-old boys. I wonder how this is going to go. And it did not degenerate into the you know, dick jokes and boobs. It didn't go anywhere like that at all, <laughs> which is really nice, right? Because sometimes 15-year-old boys can be kind of stupid. But it was really interesting because I've played, I've run games for most of them before. One kid was what I hadn't played for, hadn't run with before. And I was nervous because I'm like, I don't know if they're going to have any fun. Because one thing to talk about it and then another thing to be like, I'm with AJ's old man or we could be playing Xbox games. Like, where do I rank here? You know, However, they all get into it. It was a, a lot of fights, which is what they wanted, which is fine. And uh, pull out all the stops for that stuff. I did a voice a couple times for some NPCs, and they were into a night hag, and I smell magic on you. And they, ooh, they, they thought that was kind of neat, but it took them aback because then they're like, ooh, do, do, are we, should, should we do voices? Or how, how do we respond to that? Uh, um, yay, witch. You know, <laughs> they weren't quite sure what to do. It was kind of cute. Um, AJ likes a lot more role playing, but he knows his friends are um, tourists, shall we say, in the role playing space. So um, it gave him a lot more fighting, and they kind of figured out some stuff. They've missed a lot of clues. AJ's like, I'm pretty sure if we'd have bothered to look around, we probably could have figured out what the hell was going on. They have to fight a big white dragon and end up dead and cool shit. So it all worked out fine. 
I was worried. So the next day I'm like, did your friends have fun? Did you have fun? He goes, dead. We talked about it for like two hours afterwards. So it was fine. It's fine. I'm like, all right, good, good. Then your old man did. Okay. That was kind of nice. And, uh, let's see. So this week I've got a uh, home D and D tomorrow. Cause it's Tuesday. And then Thursday I've got Greyhawk. Oh, Wednesday, my buddy, Nick, he has decided to cancel his D20 Conan campaign and he wants to do a, uh, a D6 Star Wars game. Cool. Western games. He's a huge Star Wars fanatic. I think if I put he, you, and Wayne in a room, you guys could just nerd out on Star Wars forever. Which I think is interesting because he's ex-army, you're ex-army, Wayne's Air Force. I'm like, yeah, all you, <laughs> all you armed forces guys, you're all in the Star Wars, I see. Mr. Pemberfoot, the whole <laughs> Star yeah. Wars guy. I'm like, hmm, hmm, seems to be a, seems to be a Star Wars connection there. Anyway, so that'll uh, we're going to make characters a Wednesday, and then Friday we play that, and then a Warhammer battle on uh, Saturday coming up. So plenty to do. Plenty to do. Yeah. Um, what do you got coming on Saturday, though? Have you got, uh, is that Mark Borg for you? Merrick, Merrick Borg. It's going to be mm. metal. I'm playing some metal D&D old school <laughs> renaissance. It's going to be awesome, Brett. It's going to be fucking epic. Who's running that? Harrigan. Harrigan? Awesome. Yeah, he's going to have his hands full. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I, uh, I got to see who's all in that. I don't know if it was me, Gabe, uh, a couple others, I think. Yeah, I think he asked Very if you cool. were going to get in on that. I, said, oh, I can't on Saturday. So. I've yeah. got that Warhammer battle I got to get to. So Warhammer battle. I don't know. Warhammer's pretty epic, but it's not as metal as Merkberg. I might play some bolt thrower uh, heavy metal in the background or something. I might all do that just right. to... Yeah, some Scandinavian metal. I'll probably go over pretty well. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got. Oh, GameholeCon.com. Check out GameholeCon.com. That's coming up. Start thinking about games you want to run, stuff you'd want to do. Um, Yeah, that's about all I know about that, sir. Now, anything else new, interesting? No? Shall we carry on then? Let's carry I on. should say a Mark Borg game is going to be streamed here live on oh, Twitch that's right, you are. Saturday. Yeah, you're stream that sucker. 9 a.m. Central Time is where we're going to start. So, Sean's glutton for punishment. Can't do anything out without it being recorded. Playing for go. about three to four hours. Yeah. Very cool. So there you go. Uh, yeah, let's get in a random encounter. Yeah, let's do that. Random encounter! Segment in the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media you start. I'm starting. Oh, my goodness. You're good at it. Uh, thank you. Uh, welcome. First time emailer, Lucas. Thank you, Lucas. Hey. Awesome. <laughs> Writes in on Power of the Mook. First time mailing in. My name is Lucas from out in the middle of Nebraska. I've enjoyed many systems that you cannon fodder. That, that use, use. That use cannon fodder mechanics. Like you mentioned, Savage Worlds, 4E, D&D, and Pulp Cthulhu. Another system, 13th Age, takes it a bit further. You have minions and mobs. Basically, a mob represents a group of minions. So when your group of adventurers find the mysterious portal under the church leads to a lab with an army of undead hero, the undead, the heroes had to fight their way back out. Ironically, when the blog... Well, ironically, when the big bad guy attempted to summon his army of the dead in the final encounter and dust and bones fell out of the portals, the players cheered <laughs> in laughter. 
That's funny. Uh, <laughs> like, I summon forth what you killed them all, you bastards. That's hilarious. Another awesome mob battle that was in my mind, supposed to take an hour or two, is done in five minutes. This says a little bit of a setup, but here it goes. When the hordes of the stars spawn, come a-running down the mountain from the shard of the living moon god, attempted to claim the world against the combined army of the dwarves king, the elf queen, the crusader, the emperor, and the platinum dragon. As in, 13th, GM, in 13th age, those are all um, main um, factions, if you will. All the things named the elf king, uh, the, uh, the dwarf king, the elf queen, so on and so forth. Carry on, carry on. As a GM, as a GM, you have your hopes up for a really epic battle. It was nearing the end of the campaign, and then was the then there was the hero's chaos mage in Thirteenth Age. The chaos mage, based on what based on what you roll, odd or even, you then had to pull chips out of a bag that would cause a variety of different effects. A natural 20 leading to the stars of line pulling a black chip, uh, pulling a black chip, players laugh out loud and luck. The player had top initiative. Then the player made the roll and he got quite quiet and then just started laughing. I had seen this character do some weird and funny stuff through the campaign, including once turning everybody blue. <laughs> <laughs> So he quickly rolled his damage, then informed me how it worked. I then uh, then described hopefully something Michael Bay would be proud of, and the sky burned in explosions of raining fire and chain electric reactions coursing through the horde. Basically, if a mob uh, composed of many minions, and if one minion would take enough damage to kill it, it would arc over to the next minion, killing that one, which results in the entire mountain exploding as the fires of the hell itself incinerated, incinerated the horde. It's one of those proud moments as a GM to just witness complete and absolute anarchy and chaos at the table. As everything you, as everything you step up, all the descriptions, everything setting up to that moment is gone in five minutes. It was awesome. <laughs> and they finished the campaign that night. Thanks for letting me ramble. Keep up with the awesome Lucas from the middle of Nebraska. I had forgotten, Lucas. I'm glad you brought that up. 13th Age does have the mob rules. It's been forever since I've read them. But um, might be worth pulling out my PDF and taking another look at that just to see because it's another way to deal with um, large groups of mooks. So I like that. That's pretty cool. And a good story, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Very nice. Yeah. And welcome to the writings in of yes. <clears throat> Correct. You've now joined the uh, um, echelons of those who are bored enough to write us. <laughs> the ranks. <laughs> the, the ranks rank. before you. Yes, yes. All right. Thank you, Lucas. I see Trailhead on the forums comments on RPG Purge. Oh, my gosh. Hello, fellow BSers. Regarding episode 332, Unloading Gaming Gear, a.k.a. Culling Your Collection, Alex Radcliffe, a board games company, recently posted a video about how to get board games to the table. I found that the principles he presented in this video helped me think more clearly about my RPG collection. If you think wisely about the games that you acquire, you'll have less trouble with managing the size of your collection, and some of these principles can be used to evaluate the games you already own to decide what to keep versus what to unload. So you ask, what are these principles? Indeed, Trailhead, I was about to ask that. But he, he illuminates us. Number one, 
Don't buy games. It'll be hard to get to the table. Or in this context, don't keep games that are hard to get to the table unless you can use them as source material for games you can get to the table. Capitalize on the excitement, i.e. play that new RPG while it's still fresh and you're excited about it. You're probably less likely to play a game that you bought a few years ago. It's just sitting there gathering dust on your shelf. The initial excitement is worn off. Are you honestly ever going to play that? If not, let it go. 2A, or perhaps 2B in this case, um, don't get too many games at once. This one resonates with me with all the RPG PDF bundles I purchased through last year. Most of those games I haven't even looked at, let alone read through. Some of them I haven't even downloaded. I don't regret these purchases as they supported charities, but still, buying a lot of games at once creates an instant backlog of unplayed games. At least they're PDFs, so they aren't taking up space on my shelves. But they are still inventory and do weigh on my mind. Um, see the minimal mom's video on a key, a key lesson on inventory for her thoughts on the mental toll of keeping excess inventory. Uh, number three, read the rule book and do it again. If you do want to get an RPG to the table, whether it's new to you or one that you'd like to play again, the better you know the rules, the easier it will be to get the game up and running. Four, set the game up or an RPG context, create a few characters, run a demo combat and or social encounter. Learn the mechanics by playing through them either solo or with your gaming group. If you're trying to decide whether or not to keep the game, take it out on a test drive. Or if you're trying to decide whether or not to acquire a new one, look for a quick start to try before you buy. And number five, know your group dynamic. What kinds of games do they like? How crunchy or narrative of a system do they prefer? Do they prefer one-shots, short campaigns, longer campaigns? Um, Define settings and scenarios or open worlds. Certain RPGs lend themselves to different game lengths and play styles, so these types of questions can be helpful when deciding whether to acquire a game, keep the one you have, or let it go. Does your group even like trying new RPGs, or do they prefer to stick with what they know? I thought these ideas from Board Games Company was applicable to thinking about RPGs to acquire and what RPGs I own I might want to keep or unload. Hope those helpful to others, and best regards, Trailhead. You know, I've got to say, man, one of the things here that I... I think you're dead on, I shouldn't say one, two main pieces here um, that I like that you call out. Capitalizing the excitement. Yeah. Sean and I have talked about this. Oh, we got this game. Oh, wow, boy, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. And then someone comes up two years later and says, hey, you got Feng Shui to the table yet, Sean? No, no, I haven't. Hey, Brad, where's your, you know, whatever. Has it gotten to the table yet? No, 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 it hasn't. Yes. There is something to be said about keeping the excitement going when you're ready and you're amped up, ready to go. That's that's a really good thing. And um, and actually just doing it, saying, hey, I got this cool thing. I'd like to try it. Some game groups, even if they're not big on trying new big campaign games, oh, we're already, look, can I get two of you, you know, knuckleheads to sit down and use these pre-gens and let's have a fight just to see how those mechanics go. Sometimes that's fun, right? And I do, I also have to agree with it. Don't get too many games at once. I have... That is actually a lesson I learned at cons or Sean looking around <laughs> like, oh, maybe where I will or I've gone at gaming cons before and picked up this, picked up that, picked up this, picked up that. And then I've got a stack and uh, I'm like, huh, wow, I, I do. I, I, you create a backlog. And for me, sometimes it does turn into a couple of backlog ones sitting on the shelf and never getting read, let alone played. So 
I like that. Capitalizing excitement is a big one for me. I think that's a damn good way to look at it. Yeah, I think I'm going to start implementing that now. So guys that are in my Forbidden Lands game, uh, this Thursday we're going to be playing Spy Game uh, since I just got it. So <laughs> No choice. Too bad. <laughs> I'm really psyched about it, and I uh, figured we'd capitalize on my excitement. That's what would happen. I'd be like, hey, Star Wars guys, guess what? Playing some Delta Green. Uh, didn't know if you were aware of this, but get ready. This is, sometimes <laughs> it can be the, uh, and not everybody has this luxury, right, Sean? True. You could say, you and I just, at the top, listed off how many different game groups or games are we playing and are involved in in some way. I'm very fortunate that my core gaming group, most of us, we're, depending on what our interests are, a bunch of us are in the Star Wars game. Everybody's in my Greyhawk game. Everybody's in the uh, the uh, Undermountain game. And my Access Mundi game, everybody's in. Oh, and Lenny's Call of Cthulhu game. So that's one group of people. We've got five different games going, and we're all involved in one way, shape, or form. That's very fortunate. Not everybody can do that at all. Sometimes, like, look, I'm lucky I can get my group together once a month. We can't have five different campaigns going. It's just not going to happen. I'm just, it's incredibly fortunate that I can pull it off. And Sean, same with you, that you've got as many different games as you have going, even if you're, you're game with different groups, right? You but could always cool head over to gamingmbs.com forward slash games. There you go. Yeah. It's like 30 different games going on. People want to run. Yeah. So this is uh, that, that what I was going to say is if you've got the time, you uh, now's a great opportunity to go to something like that in our community, in our community, because hail our community is awesome and um, find that opportunity to take that really cool game and say, Hey, I just read Simba room, which I did re- finish the rules. Pretty excited about it. If I can't find any of my home group, I'm going to grab some BSers and say, Hey, can I, you know, want to do a test run? Yeah. I, I cause I don't want to lose the, I don't want to lose the passion for it because then it will sit on the shelf and won't get used. Then I'll feel stupid that I bought it. Anyway, anything else, Sean? No. Those are some good points, Charlotte. Thank you. Sometimes yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah, and sometimes, you know, coming up with, you know, a couple of different points, think about this, think about that. Some folks are like, ah, Jesus, crying out loud, you know, I, I don't need any of that. That's fine. But sometimes, you know, bullet pointing out, calling out, hey, think about these things can be very helpful just to clarify things in people's minds. So um, glad you pulled that together, man. Over to you, Sean. Alrighty. Isaiah comments on the forums about mooks. Love the episode. Helped me think outside the combat box and regard how I could use some minions. I often fall into making social encounters about some conflict with a single actor, an influential NPC or organization to sway a third party's perspective. It could be a little, it could be a battle of the bands, an internet debate, a dinner party, a performance, the player's role play Make skill rolls. Some complications happen. They adjust an RP and roll and either one move something like an old school reaction roll chart in their preferred direction or two outperform the antagonist skill checks. They win. The crowd loves them. The internet makes memes about them. They get the backing of an influential group. The critics write a glowing review. Whatever. The episode had me thinking about how to use minion-type extras in scenarios featuring social conflict. Social minions could be a rock band's fans. Hell yeah, man. They'd be metal. (laughs) Carry on. Uh, See, 
internet comment board posters, a noble's flunkies, the audience watching the passion play of the apotheosis of Sigmar. I'm thinking of assigning an action or two, like throwing underwear, applause, or booing, trolling, gossiping, or other behavior to the minions. This would give the PCs another relatively mild, complicating factor with which to contend. I think it would add an extra layer and enable some other activities on the part of the players. And even those easy checks can be failed sometimes, which can be played for laughs or a success at cost or an even worse failure, depending on the tone and how the overall conflict plays out. I just keep thinking about uh, people throwing underwear at the passion play of the apotheosis of Sigmar. And I don't think it's a proper place to throw underwear, but you know what? Why not? Makes sense. But Isaiah, man, thank you. I'm, I'm glad it uh, struck a chord of some kind. Um, like I, like Sean and I talked about, I didn't want to, neither Sean or I, we can focus on rules and mechanics and whatever. And quite frankly, it's boring. I don't use that shit anyway. Um, <laughs> but the um, just the way to implement them and how to use them in different ways, means, policies, devices, and so forth. Sean's chucking rules over his shoulder. <laughs> I don't care about that. What's that? See, that's a rule. Anyway, point is, is uh, glad glad it worked for you, or at least got you thinking a little bit. Though, honestly, I think that's that type of thing is some of the highest praise Sean or I or anybody who talks about this type of thing online can can get is that we caused you to think. So, thank you. Oh, oh, Blake sent a quiz. Is this you want me to quiz you, or are you quizzing me? Oh, it's for you, man. Oh, is it? Okay, you're the smarter one. Oh, uh huh. You're the more you're the more red one. Ah, I see. I'm smarter. You're better looking. Okay, fine. Yeah, we got uh, it. We got it. it is what it is. It is what it is. I'm not gonna, not gonna deny it. Name three. Uh, play along, BSers. Play, right. Feel free to play along. Name three of the circle of eight on Greyhawk. Well, let's see. Rary the traitor. Otto Luke. Uh, Morden Kanan, head of the circle of eight. Rary Tensor. There you go. There's three. There's three. Uh, the other ones are Big B, Morden mm-hmm. Kanan. I named Morden Kanan. Did you? Drum, yep. Drumage? Oh, yep. Nystal? Yes. Otto? Yep, Otto. I think then the rest, Rary Tensor, you got. Yep. In Vampire the Masquerade, what is Auspex? Auspex is a supernatural ability. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, it is the Toreadors have it. At least a lot of different people can get to it. But basically, it's supernatural sight and ability to see things. It enhances your um, vision and so forth. Extra sensory awareness, perception, and empathy. Correct. Uh, number three. In Call of Cthulhu, who wrote or translated the Necroconomicon? So... Abdul Al-Hazred is supposedly the one who wrote it down in the, uh, originally, I believe it was in Sanskrit. And then you have, um, J- there's a John D. copy. There's Olas Mormius's version that's in Latin. Um, different translations of it. Um, but yeah, Al-Azif is, I think, the original by Abdul Al-Hazred. Then there was Theodorus Philetus. Oh. oh, yes, yes, yes. That one, I forgot about that one. What was the other one? Mm-hmm. See, I I never know any of these so far. Uh, name one of the countries near the Rift Canyon in Greyhawk. Oh. Rift Canyon, Greyhawk. Fuck. 
the Rift Canyon and Greyhawk. I might have to. I might fail this There's one. There's one, know. two, three, four. You could probably take a stab at it. There's four e lists. Rift, the Rift Canyon and Greyhawk. It's not like it's not like the Grand Duchy of Jeff or Bissell or Starich or any of those. I don't know, man. I'm 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 losing my mind. Bandit Kingdoms. The, Bandit. Oh, so click over there. Shield lands. Shield lands. Bandit Canyon. Shield lands. Theocracy of the Pale. No. No? God damn it. Well, it's All not right. listed, so I, as long as, as right. Blake has his proverbial shit together, it's he didn't oh, put he it does. down. County of, County of Ernst? Ernst, yes. Okay. Uh, Empire of Ayuz. Oh, Ayuz. God It's all right, though. Let's it. see. Not damn. bad. Not bad. Next one, probably gimme. In the world of darkness, what is Pentex? Pentex is a horrible, evil corporation that um, is prevalent in the werewolf, the apocalypse role-playing game. That is a evil. Uh, that is evil serves the worm, which is basically corruption and anti Gaia, anti nature. Telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this this, <laughs> this, well, this <laughs> Brett sells him short himself short every week. He's got all this knowledge, and he just he talks about well, yeah, out of print, unplayed <laughs> crap. I know it. I know it all. That's great. He called Cthulhu, who allied with the Deep Ones. Who allied with the Deep Ones? Hmm. What would you say with allied with the deep ones? Oh, he's probably talking about the um, the family, which is the uh, marshes. If he's talking about the marshes, so I, I don't, I don't know if this on one's Marsh. a little more or ambiguous. Talking about, or he's talking about Dagon and Hydra. What's he talking about? This is the Shagos. Oh, the Shagos! Yes, the Shagos. Yeah, the Deep Ones did pull out pull Shagos out of the ocean, and they had them in uh, Innsmouth. So, okay, yeah, yeah, I buy that. Yep, I was thinking allied as in, um, um, as in the the people, the marshes, that family who brought sure. them up. Okay, and last but not least, what was the reign of colorless fire on Greyhawk? Oh, that was the culmination and basically ending of the Baclonish and Sulu's War, where the Baclonish mages dropped the uh, Reign of Colors fire and completely obliterated all the Sulu's empire. <laughs> uh, I wish you could say that in a bigger, nerdier voice. <laughs> Useless crap. Useless crap. I know what it was. To, he was. He he knows what it was to be on full glory that day. I tell you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is magical uh, rain that trashed the Sul Imperium, prompting tribes to migrate yep. into what we know as Greyhawk today. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> good Lord. Yeah, a lot of people. Bravo to you, man. That's good stuff. <laughs> Congratulations. That's a good job for Brett. Yeah, that's definitely oh, a good job. You. I'll take it. I'll take oh, it. Oh, yeah. I don't know half of that shit. All right. Let's get into the main topic, shall we? All right, Brett, what the hell so, are we talking about this week? And it better be something that nails on some of those key questions. <laughs> Let's see what we can do. All right. So um, I'm working on, um, well, I've talked about this before. I'm kind of making my own version of d and I want to house, take my house rules on different approaches and things I want to do because it's a project I've always wanted to do. So I've been cranking away on that. And one of the things I've been, I was thinking about, Especially after watching a Matt Colville video, it came up to me. It's his video uh, called No. And he talks about saying no in the game. And he has a piece of it at the tail end um, that he talks about um, 
how he misses when D&D, the gear, was very important. We've talked about gear being important before, right? Or magic items and so on. If you look at your first edition fighter versus your fifth edition fighter, a shit ton of power creep has occurred. Now, the game could be argued in many cases. A lot of games could be argued this way in, in some way, shape, or form. I would say um, Pathfinder is, is, or at least was with Pathfinder Society, is that when you have an organized play environment, you want to make sure <coughs> excuse me, that there's a level of balance and so forth, that things are optimized for a style of play. And um, one of the things that he mentioned was he would prefer a system that was optimized for the table more than it was for organized play. Again, some throwaway comments from Matt Colby. It just got me thinking. It's not a bash on 5e. Matt loves 5e. I still like 5e. Sean and I still like it. We have a good time with it. Um, what we're talking about here, though, is that sometimes I think we get into a trap when we're cooking up something for our home group or we're coming up with something for a, a con game or an online game or whatever, whatever it is. And sometimes there's this theory in our heads, like, Ooh, what if I publish this thing? Or what will this work beyond my table or this group? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And I have seen people online and I've had people ask me. Um, I've seen people online talk about how that thought is in their head when they're running games. They want to make sure that it's portable. Whatever their decision is or their design or whatever it is that they're doing doesn't just it doesn't just live and die at the game table that they're playing at. They want to make sure that's something that can be used somewhere else in another, for whatever reason. And I've been asked like, Hey, um, is the Avalon in your rule book exactly the same as your home game? And I would, and I've always said no, because there's things I do in my home game that are just for my, they're optimized for my table. And I think that sometimes um, we all design stuff. If you're a, if you're a game master out there, you're designing stuff. If you're a player, you are designing stuff. Some of that stuff is the background for your character. Um, some of that stuff is the world or encounters, magic items, new spells, whatever is within your purview to create <clears throat> within bounds and confines of the game system. Even whether you choose to break that and make your own thing, like hey, I, we use a different rule set or we use a different. A lot of our listeners, we talk about this all the time. Yeah, I've got a, a cool way to use mooks for example. And sometimes I think people worry too much that it needs to be consumable or usable by anybody other than your game group. Do you follow what I'm saying there, Sean? Yes. No. Yes. You follow me? Okay. I am. I am, <laughs> but checking. I'm not. I mean, while you might say we are designers, I, I wouldn't put myself in the same bucket as you because you've actually written something and published it. That's just because I put more effort into doing it than you did. You That's could do it. True. That's true. That's true. It's, it's a, it was a desire, a focus, and I put time on it. Right. Yes. I mean, in, in, in this age of gaming, go to Drive Through RPG, and you can prove that anybody can publish anything. Yes. Right. But I have not done that. No. Yet. Right. No. You haven't. So I, I think the other the other piece sometimes is that people will have really good ideas, and um, they're afraid that they're not good enough. Right, that's a different topic, per se. But what I'm talking about here is I, I think it, it's great to publish stuff. I've done it, right? So I'd be a complete fucking hypocrite to say that it's a waste of time or something. I, I would never say that. It's fun to do. I had a really good time doing it. I want want to do more of it. It's great. However, 
I found myself at at a certain point when running with my group when I was getting ready to do this and whatever, I kept thinking, oh, geez, is this going to work? If I wrote this down, will it work in the book? Um, oh, I don't know if this idea would really work in the game very well. I was playtesting um, some of the adventures that I've run, like uh, the one I, um, Iron Shoes, Blacksmith's Folly, when I was playtesting those at gaming conventions and with my friends and asking other people to take a look at it and, and run through things, I thought, oh, geez, oh, I don't know. I just, I made a decision in this session. Oh, gosh, I don't know if that, if I could actually use that in, in the game. Did I waste that entire playtest session because I broke a rule or I made something up? It worked right there. I know it worked. Everyone had a really good time. They talked about how much fun it was. Oh, but I, I fucked up because it's, I can't publish that idea, you know, for whatever reason. And I, I, it was a trap I got my head into for a while. And I finally got out of it by saying, I don't fucking care if this thing never gets published in its current state in, you know, how it ran at the table. I can't, I can't bottle the table's action. Right. So when I ran a fish story and when I ran, um, a couple other adventures that that I have uh, that I play tested at gaming conventions for Avalon. Some of them have had better results than others, insofar as they worked better and so forth. And shit happens at the table because you don't know what your players are going to do. You're reacting and so forth. And instead of trying to be a game designer at the table for whatever that is, is I'm like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to be the game master, and I'm going to make sure everybody's having a good time, including myself. And I think sometimes. Um, We'll, we'll, we run into this as well online. Someone will put up an idea saying, hey, I came up with this really cool um, new initiative system and my players are having a lot of fun with it and you guys are all talking about initiative systems so I want to say my thing. And then people, not BSers, because BSers are solid folks, but other people online will come up and drive nails through your heart and tell you that won't work. This is terrible. That wouldn't work anywhere else. I can't believe that your players haven't rioted and beat you to death or whatever <laughs> the fuck they're doing. And what I find interesting is when I read this stuff, I will read stuff like that and think, I don't know if I could do that at my table. I don't know if anybody else could do that, but holy fuck that worked for you. I can't believe that worked for you. Right? So I, um, I guess where I'm coming at here is that I think there's a there's something we're missing sometimes when we're sharing advice with each other or we are proposing stuff. And especially, John, you and I have been proposing stuff and ideas and thoughts for six years. We don't do everything we've talked about on the show. We've tried periodically to, to capture some of the things we've tried to talk, whether we have talked about or tried to talk about and to implement them. But we don't always succeed. Right, we've talked about gear, and um, and different ways, means, and policies, devices to deal with that type of stuff. Do you use everything we've always talked about? Yeah, absolutely. Brett, that was part of the. D- where, where's the contract? <laughs> where's the contract? Where, where the hell's the contract, Brett signed? No, of course not. All of it works, and no, do I not? Do I implement everything I talk about? Man, we aren't. If, I, if that was the case, I'd try to start a religion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's more money in it. I'll tell you that right now. Um, so I guess I don't know. I'm kind of beating around. I don't, I don't know how to put a like an actual definition definition to the point I'm trying to make. But I think what's interesting is when not interesting, you know, in I think interesting and sad 
perhaps, or I, I find it kind of disappointing. It's almost a comment, if you will, on the RPG community sometimes as a whole, where people take great fun in smashing the fuck out of other people's really good ideas. It's been a thing forever. <laughs> is that every- the topic <laughs> for the evening? No, not no, this. No, I don't want to get you sure off on I have that one. some things to say about that. <laughs> But I think I think one of the pieces that touches on that on that larger topic is that when someone produces an idea, right? Sean and Brett say, "Hey, you could do this with MOOCs." I'm sure somebody listened to us and said, "Well, that won't work because," and they talk about this game doesn't have these rules. You should do this, or that won't work at my table. Blah blah blah. I think what I find the most intriguing and rewarding for us anyway, at least, or at least from my side of it, is when someone listens to that type of thing and says, hey, I think I could use this at my table. And I think there's this, uh, there's a thing that people don't design as much for their table sometimes as they're trying to design for like the hobby mm. at writ large. Like, I want to make sure that I, <clears throat> I'm using these MOOC rules or I'm using these rules for a chase scene and make sure that they are um, well-bounded. I want to make sure that they're play-tested appropriately and that they're really, really solid before I even put them in front of my players. Why? <laughs> Is it? Does it look like fun? Give it a try. You know, sometimes we're, I think there's a hesitancy to put stuff in front of our players because, um, because we don't think it's, it's ready yet, right? Or that it's not properly designed or hasn't been tested enough or whatever it is. These are just folks you game with, man. These are you. I hope you're friends and you could try something and it doesn't have to. It could be just something you think would work spur of the moment at your table. And you don't have to design anything beyond the confines of that to make sure that's a good time. Does that make sense, Sean? This is kind of an odd. It's a, it's a thought I have and I'm forming it kind of as we speak, but I probably making a fucking mess of all no, this. No, no. Well, I mean, we. Probably. Start Maybe somewhere and end, end somewhere else, and that's okay. Yes. Like that's kind of our deal. I mean, it's in the freaking title of the show, Christ. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think I, there is one thing that is that does come up in our hobby quite a bit, and I think it has to do or touch on what you're getting at in this topic. And it's a lot of people get kind of, I don't, they get hung up, whatever, on running something or incorporating something and it's and it's specific to a published setting or a published rule set or something to that effect where and that's why the Eberron guys with Christian and the manifest zones Wayne Chang and and Keith Baker they always say in my Eberron that's like they're they're they've made that kind of a stamp of their podcast because what they are very very conscious of doing is not being the governing body for Eberron. Even Keith Baker doesn't want to be the governing body of Eberron. He he is, of course, the guy who came up with that setting. He submitted it to the Wizards. Some of the stuff he came up with didn't even get implemented in with the setting that everybody else sees. But the reason he brings that up is that people should be able to do whatever they want creatively with anything that they're doing within the RBG hobby. And that, and and the only time I think that that may not come into play or not be true is when you're working with your group. So say the only time, like for example, if I'm running Forbidden Lands, and I get these guys 
signed up for Forbidden Lands and I start running it, and then all of a sudden it becomes Middle Earth. Yeah, if you bait and switch, it's a different problem. A bait a and bit, switch a is a little different. different problem, right. But there are tons of people that are always asking questions like, well, can I do this? How do you do this? Or is this the right way to do Streets of Avalon? And is this allowed? Is this Is this possible? allowed? Is this possible? How do you do it? You know, and it's like, you can certainly say like, I'm Brett and I've written it and I, I see it this way, but you, Brett could give a shit if you turn it on its head. Absolutely. I, I, I pointed to our conversation with Ed Green when we had ages back, every conversation that one I've had with him, I've also talked to him offline from there. And other conventions, I've caught him and just had a chance to BS with him very briefly. Actually, with Ed, it's very hard to talk briefly with him about anything. <laughs> but <laughs> you think I'm long-winded, people? Yeah, he's a anyway, um, he's a talker, and he has said that you know they they play at his home group. They play a variation of Second Edition AD and D because that's the one they like that sticks with them the most and they have the most fun with. And they play D and D sometimes where they don't roll dice for hours. Because there's a lot of role play and different things that they're doing. And it's not proper, quote unquote, D&D, right? And I think we, like I said, he's designed that game, that experience and so forth. He said, that's my home group. That's our table. And that's what we like. Right? I'm paraphrasing here. But he's like, look, other people do whatever you want. And that's why I like Keith Baker saying that type of thing. In my Eberron, how, how do you do it in yours? Right. Right. And yes, there are especially when it comes to setting stuff, right? It's very, I think it's a little bit easier to get people to, to uh, I can say, look, yeah, I wrote Streets of Avalon, but you can do with it whatever you want. Um, there are no gods in Streets of Avalon, this, this, and this. Now, Jared Rasher has done some stuff with Streets of Avalon. He showed me and talked to me about. In my home group, I don't know if I would do the things he's done. I love everything he's shown me. Sure. like, that's fucking awesome. I wouldn't necessarily do some of those in my home group because I don't think it would fly, but he's obviously having a good time. Good. Keep rocking. He's also shown me some things that he's doing that he's like, he's shown me and I'm like, huh, I thought about this. I kid you not. And Jared, if you listen to this, I didn't, I probably didn't share this with you when you and I talked. But my, one of my thoughts was, oh my gosh, that's kind of not what I intended. Right. I can hear it in my head. I didn't intend that. I think he might be breaking my cosmology potentially. It's in my head. And I go, you know what, though? Who fucking cares? This is Jared's Avalon, not Brett's. And Brett's Avalon, I would never do that because it it breaks my cosmology. This is your Avalon, Jared. This is your cosmology. Go ahead and do that. I think another way, and this is this gets into the, the realm of house ruling or how you're implementing a rule, right? And you can use, we can define house ruling multiple different ways. But... If you're running Forbidden Lands and you have found it really tricky, I'll, let me use a different example. So Trail of Cthulhu. I love the gumshoe system. I have a lot of fun with it. Trail of Cthulhu has two different variations, basically, on the sanity theme. There's stability and sanity. For the life of me, I read it. I understand it. And every game I try to implement it in, I fuck it up. <laughs> every time. Because in Brett's head, in my old man brain, is locked in Call of Cthulhu sanity tracking. I cannot get it to function the right way. I tend to, at, well, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm going to use it. 
as written, blah, blah, blah. And then the shit hits it. And then I completely forget about stability and I dock people's sanity or I forget sanity. I dock people's stability. Fuck. So when I run it, I tend to, um, <clears throat> I say, okay, stability. It's like you lose so many of this, then it causes that. So we've come up with a mechanism that works for us. It's been forever since I've done it. So I'd have to, I actually, if I do, if I run it again, I'm probably going to read it again and try for the love of God, I'll make this work. But I'm I'm doing it wrong, right? I'm absolutely doing it wrong by the book as written. I'm doing it wrong. However, instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to sit down and figure out how I'd redesign or re-implement, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I don't do that. We figured out how to make it work at the table. And that's just how we went at the time when I was running my campaign. Which is which is fine if you have a group that's flexible enough to kind of go with the flow. But but there are going to be people, you do that at a con, and they're going to look at you cross-eyed a little bit. Yep. So what I when I run at a con is I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do, and this is why I'm doing it. Everyone goes, okay, cool. That's the rules. Let's go play. Never had a problem with it. Last time I ran at a con. Sure. What I'm saying, though, is that I'm positive that if I go to a Trail of Cthulhu board and say, I'm a moron... I can't track these two things for some reason or whatever. Like, look, I'm finding this confusing. So this is what I've done. Right. That is purely optimized for Brett's table. And sometimes a lot of uh, folks like myself, I don't, you don't think of this. Well, I didn't design a rule set or whatever. Yes, you did. You designed a way for you and your players to get around a sticky thing in the game for whatever reason. I don't like grappling. We didn't like the chase rules. We just had a hard time. And somebody said, well, could we just use um, like a, a contested action? But yes, let's use contested action for, uh, I'll, I'll reread this later. Let's just use contested action. And when you're done with the chase, everyone goes, oh my God, that was hair raising. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. I like that chase system. That's our chase system now. We, it was for the group. We just did it. And that's how we've done chases, you know? Is it by the book? No, it's not. We designed it uh, together and we, somebody said it was fun. We came up with something and we just did it. And um, I, yeah, if I were to go out there and say, hey, man, I've done this thing. What I think sometimes people get caught up with is they put it, they put something out there and say, well, geez, I don't know if I could really share that idea. I don't know if I want to tell anybody what I've done because it's not ready for prime time. It really hasn't been play tested. It doesn't have to be to work at your table. And I, I think, Sean, what I'm trying to say is that when we're doing this stuff and we're, if we're customizing a thing for our table or we're, we're improving something in our game and it works in our gaming group, I guess if nothing else, I'm saying it is 100% okay that it doesn't work anywhere else. It doesn't mean that you're running a bad, wrong game or anything like that. And it doesn't mean that if you post up this idea and say, hey, boy, yeah, we found it, you know, I, I'm doing this thing. And someone tears you a new one, one, they're an ass. But two, it doesn't matter because it's working for you at your table. Does that make any sense? I'm kind of. Yeah, no, it does, make, it does make sense. And I, I think that, well, and a lot of people do that when they implement house rules or no. the game doesn't get as robust as it needs to be because they're encountering an issue that's not codified in the rules. Right, OSR games are similar to that in nature to some degree, so I think it. Yes, and I think a lot of people. I I would hope that a lot of people would would 
follow that mantra and that this isn't any um like we're not bestowing some strange knowledge or wisdom knowledge or wisdom upon somebody <laughs> going look you know it's all right if you do that and like oh, what but i mean there is a there is a piece of the hobby that's like i don't know if i you know if i should do it that way is that the right way or is that the wrong way and what what are my players or you know or am i going to get scrutinized because i i chose a yeah, I chose to do it differently than what's in the book or whatever. But I think there's always going to be, there's all, there's all, you know, <laughs> our hobby thrives on, this is the rules. This is the book. Anger, threat, and controversy. We thrive on that. Yeah. But then again, yeah. there's times we, there, it's funny because I think some of those arguments about, hey, these are the rules. This is the book. There'll be the same people that don't like heavy rule set games. Like they're they're all over the place. Like none of yeah, exactly. sometimes these arguments make no sense to me at all. Like, yeah, it's I not in the, the book. Other... It's not rules. And then they're playing, you know, this game because they're it's rules light, and they don't want to deal with all that <laughs> crap. But then they do house rules and they implement all this. Stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. So okay. the other the other thing I think that it, that part of this comes to is the um, Matt Colville did something once, and uh, he had mentioned in the comments that somebody said. The, a comment was made that, well, if Matt Colville did it, I guess it's okay. And people have said that, oh, Matt Mercer did it, so I guess it's allowed. Or, well, I got Jeremy Crawford to, to agree, so it's okay. And this isn't, for the older men and women who have been gaming for a long time, as Sean, as you adequate, accurately stated, this is not news. My son, on the other hand, and my daughter will often say, is this okay? And I'm like, of course it's okay. Well, I want to try this, but I don't know if it's allowed. Of course it's allowed. Try it. Right? Well, and in defense of 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 people like you know, and like your kids, and then I, I say like your kids, they could be anybody like that comes no, no, up no, with this, no. right? And age be yep. you know, set aside. No, it's it's just it's a newer, younger gamer, whether that not younger as in your physical age, but you are younger to the hobby. Right. You're newer to the hobby. Right. Yes. Newer folks to the hobby. They get in because it's a game. So when you talk about a game, a game comes all the games that everybody's really kind of known outside of the RPG hobbies are their video games, which is a whole different place. And then there's board games, typically card mm -hmm. games, maybe. But all of them have a set of rules, very stringent rules. That you need to follow, or you're literally doing it wrong. Right, right. You, you can't, I mean, you can't go to, you can't go to Vegas and say, "Well, I, I actually blackjack on a 10. That's just a house thing right, I do. Right. <laughs> well, Nobody cares. The That's only, the only caveat that I would ever even think of off the top of my head, where that may not be true, is Monopoly, and half the people don't play it right. Yeah, because they genuinely either. don't play by the by freaking the rules. Because if you did, you'd want to kill everybody you played with. Exactly. So. It is so when they come up with the I don't know if that's right or I can do that, it's making sure, I think, in their heads that they're abiding by the rules of the game. And since the rule books are so completely dense and sometimes ridiculous, they're they're making sure that they're not crossing any any lines if they were to play with other people that might actually know the game. I don't know. Yep. So I, I think I think the other component here, and this is, I get to be an old man for a second, is like, I can look up anything I need right now in two seconds type of thing. Who's the queen of England in pick a year? I could, I can Google it and find it, right? Go Google that. You can find it. 
So it is, and this isn't news. There is a whole, um, uh, I can't remember. There was a whole sages, sages advice, sage advice in dragon mm-hmm. magazine. You were right in skip Williams. Didn't he feel skip, it? Skip yeah, Williams skip. fed field. A lot of these, we'd say, Hey, my players tried to do this with the wand of wonder. Is that allowed? Someone des people desperately search for the official answer. And I think when, when people are like, Oh, I have an idea. I want to know if I could do this. Is this okay? Um, there's an assumption that there is an official answer, that there's somebody out there who can say, yes, this is fine for you to do. When I think the keeper of the lore, <laughs> the keeper of the lore. Yes. Says. <laughs> yes. It Jeremy, is referenced here. My, yeah. my son, they, my daughter. Said, I have heard people say, well, Jeremy Crawford said this was okay in a tweet. Like who fucking cares what Jeremy Crawford said? I don't allow that. Well, some of them are getting rules, clarifications. Like, yes. Hey, if, again. Yeah. So what I'm saying, though, is that when when my son or I've had other newer gamer people um, come to me and say, hey, I tried to do this. Then I found out I was doing it wrong. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do you mean you were doing it wrong? Well, we were doing X. It turns out it's actually Y. I'm like, well, did you guys have a good time with it? Yeah. My advice would be keep doing it for the rest of this campaign. Implement the quote unquote proper rule next campaign and see if you <laughs> like it. Why change that midstream? You're having a good hey. time. Roll Unless it. you're Phil Vecchione and you're game mastering Forbidden Lands and you <laughs> you have your characters take damage, but they don't adjust their die, the amount of dice they roll <laughs> for an entire year. <laughs> Oops. No, we make fun of Phil because of that thing. And he knows that they didn't do that. And we kind of kind of laugh at it because if if you if it, it worked, it was fine. It's his game, whatever. They all kind of laughed about it, but. When we're making these changes, we're doing a little design work. We're changing something on the fly. We're like, ooh, we made a call. Even if it's the bet or quote-unquote wrong call, it's like fucked up the rules, whatever. You're doing this thing. This isn't for publication. It's just for use at your table. Is it working at the game? Is it working with a group you're playing with? There are times when I have run a convention game, and it's very clear that somebody wants to do something, right? And... The rules don't specifically say this or that. We're kind of, it's a weird edge case. Sure. Give me a dexterity test. Let's try that. It sounds, everyone goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good. Dexterity test. We right there on the fly designed how I'm going to solve this problem with a mechanic. We designed the fact at the table, or I just made the call that, hey, you're going to do this thing. What do you want to call it? Do do you though, after mm-hmm. the fact, go and actually check to see what what would have fallen into that? Sometimes, it, like, yeah. I mean, oh, okay, chase scene, have one, forgot it. Okay, go back. Probably, hey, we know we did the chase scene for my home game. For my home, right? yeah, for my home group, I would because like, huh? Okay. Let's go back and take a look. But why but would you ca- do that for your home group? Because I'm going to play it again. It's a it's a campaign. All right, so fair. For, so for at, so here's the difference. At that table, at my gaming convention table, there is no outside the bounds. This is a four-hour game. Once it's done, we will never play this game again. Sure, sure. Which is oftentimes why people be like, rule a cool, crazy shit happens at a gaming convention table. And sometimes we throw out the rules. We add in a weird thing. We say, give me two natural 20s and you kill the dragon. Some, Of course, somebody rolls two natural 20s. Whatever happens, ha- you know, crazy shit occurs. And it happens a lot, from what I understand, from talking to different people, playing convention games. 
And well, my, my home table, though, is different because my home table, we want to keep going. And I'm like, oh, let, let me take a look. See if it matters. Yes. The only, the only, and I don't know, I think I might have brought this up before episodes ago, but the only thing that I would, and I don't know if it's a caution or what, it's not really a word of caution, but one of the things I would probably want to make sure I stipulate, this is just me too, is if I do that at a con game, I want to make sure that the players at the con game know that that's me kind of making that change or whatever. Because what could happen is they could say, everybody here at the table, you guys play Savage Worlds before? Nope. Okay, Sean throws the rule book across the floor. They play my game. Some love it. Some might not. They might hate it. But, and they but there's leave. a caveat. Like when you're done, if you go buy Savage Worlds, I'll bet you a dollar it doesn't run the way I just did this. <laughs> right. Yeah. But they should know that because they they, I don't want Absolutely. them to leave the table and go, yeah, I played this game, Savage Worlds, at a con and it sucked sucked butt. I don't want to play that game again. But it, it was Sean, not, not the game. Yeah. Right. So let's so it, like separate that a bit. When I started playing Vampire the Masquerade, I mis misread or misimplemented the rule for willpower. And willpower became like this thing. It was more important than blood in many cases in a lot of my games. Because willpower was a thing that could drive you for automatic successes, extra dice. It did it was like this bizarre ass catch-all thing. I, I could not to this day tell you exactly how we did it. <laughs> It was just so well known in the group for 15 years that if we ever had a new player come in, so we'll go, what can I do with this? Someone go, you could do blah, 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 blah. Oh, and don't forget this. Yeah, and that. It was just known. It was just a thing we designed. It worked at my table. I ran Vampire for my buddy Ted Persborn and a couple other people. And they're like, that's not how willpower works. I'm like, you're right. Sorry, that was a house rule, different campaign. You guys are doing it by the book. I know how that works now. Yes, we'll follow that rule. Totally fine. But what we designed and developed from my home world of darkness game how we use willpower absolutely fucking worked for us it was a blast at our table i when i remember playing it and it brought up with ted and he's like huh interesting you realize that's wicked overpowered and it kind of does i'm like uh-huh but it works for us and ted to his credit going huh good for you guys i don't think i get that to fly with this group i said probably not these guys are a little bit different but that group over there they fucking love it right and that's and that's totally fine and what i'm getting at again i if i am getting at anything is that we need to be free and feel like we can do that stuff in our home games. And you don't have to check with an authority other than the people at your table. Oh, but yeah, 100%. Sure. It doesn't have to say, well, oh, geez, I might want to publish this. So I really got to verify and make sure that it works for 100% of the rules, lawyers. And I really got to make sure it does, blah, blah, blah. And again, the thing that brought this to my mind was the the concept of, you know, when you're putting something out there, and people are treating it like it's going to be published or that it has to have some official oomph to it of some kind. The only authority that matters is that is your gaming group. Does it work at your table? Yeah, good. It, it doesn't have to be vetted anywhere else. And when you're done with it, if you're like, well, it's just working and uh, no one's not having any fun with it. So fuck it. Let's just keep going. To your point, though, it's good to make make it known saying, hey, we, um, by the way, I checked. Willpower doesn't work like that. And we're going, yeah, but I like the way we do it. Good for us then. Carry on. You know, it <laughs> doesn't, doesn't hurt to do that. So, No, it doesn't. Unless, of course, there's an, a different experience by doing it the other the, the official way. Or if it was designed around 
Well, so there's yes. definitely a different experience. Yeah. I, I played I played run both right. ways. There's a definitely different experience. Absolutely right, and different. Is, and I say that in the in a way that it's facilitating something that you, you're you're on off the cuff implementation might not have been might not have considered, and mm-hmm. then you go and play the like the official rule or how it's supposed to be done, and that does facilitate a different play in in a positive way because you could implement that official rule and go oh god the thing is clunky as shit i just this it does, bogs down the game it doesn't you know can we go back to the way we were using something before yeah sure of course right because yeah. i think one thing you just one thing you just said there i think is as important as what you're trying to do is facilitate gameplay at your table with your friends and if yes you're sure. trying to figure out the official rule and you can't sort out no one at the table can figure out sanity versus um what the fuck? Stability. And everyone goes, can we just do this? Fuck it. That's what we'll do. We <laughs> all agree. Let's move on. Stability. <laughs> There's no point to grind the game to halt and say, I'm sorry, but we're going to figure this out. We're going to stop the whole game for the next two hours. We're going to debate on how we actually are going to roll this into play. You're facilitating the game at your table. That's one of the key jobs for the players and the game master to do. And if sometimes the best way is like, look, the, the official rule says X. We feel like we're in a crazy ass edge case right now. Right? If this isn't Monopoly, this isn't a board game. This isn't the Magic the Gathering, you know, where there's very codified rules and so forth. Yeah, Actually, right, it's like Magic maybe it's gotten oh, different or worse. But anyway, point being is that <laughs> it's, uh, I was terrible at it, by the way. Anyway, um, point is, is that it, it's not like, even at, even in my Warhammer um, fantasy role-playing, uh, my, excuse me, Warhammer fantasy battles, you know, when I have my friends have played uh, Warhammer 40k and other, what you assume very strict rules and like who does what what order you're in what phase you're in there are still some fucked up edge cases that happen the train is laid down there and the figs are all lined up in their block they move forward a eighth of an inch of one fig's base touches the dangerous terrain according to the rule if any figure enters dangerous train, the entire unit is affected. There's an eighth of an inch of one fig's base. Tournament play it would. By the rule. Does that make any sense? Tournament play it would. At my home group, at my table, it's a it's a it's a gentleman's game. We sit there and we say rebel crazy crazy off the freaking rails so man. every once in a while i look at it and go i don't know nick what do you want to do and nick says you know what unless you've got one full model in there it doesn't make any sense at least like half the model something this is weird it's just that outline of the dangerous train that you plop down on the mat just happens to have a weird little ju- juke on the side fuck it doesn't matter this is a waste of time let's keep the battle going cool right there Again, tournament play, flag. <laughs> you can't do that. They'll freaking flip tables <laughs> yes. over that shit. Some of them more hammer guys. They're they're, they're intense. They are they're intense. Very intense. I've seen people. They get pissed off when their dice don't roll well and throwing them across game stores. When and, I was oh my when God. I was when I was running Evercon, we had the Wasa Chess Club and would come. And if you wanted to learn how to play chess. One of the guys who's incredibly good competitive chess player, ranked blood this system and that system, he would sit down and he'd play with anybody of any skill level. And he would help them when they were when they were failing to see something obvious and, and so forth. 
a court last I checked, the rules of chess are not please help your opponent, right? It, right. It's just he's like, you know what? This is not going to be any fun for anybody. Um, he's I watched him run, I watched him finish up a game. I was just checking in with him. Hey, do you guys need some water or something? I'm I'm a con organizer, I want to check in on him. And I heard him say, Now, I didn't use the castling rules because it didn't want to complicate this. However, if you see, and he demonstrated to the young lady how he could have castled and really crushed her, given the situation they were in. He said, but I chose not to do that. I didn't want to implement that rule right now because we were just, I, I didn't think it'd be a lot of fun for you. Again, chess tournament, hunk, <laughs> you, know, yeah, right. you don't get to say, I'm not going to allow this rule because I don't feel like it. Um, but I, I think there's, we sometimes... I think as gamers, sometimes we lose sight of the fact that the table we're playing at right now is the only game that matters. If what we're doing at the table is a lot of fun, it's great. You know, I'm running my game. It's going really great. Phil's running his uh, Forbidden Lands game and his crew forgot a die thing. It doesn't (laughs) matter. It was a long time. It was a long time. Yeah, he's like 80 but, minute when I talked to him, he's like, Here, we forgot all about this. And it was yeah, anyway, but, like a whole year. <laughs> but they had, but no one in the group said, Boy, this game's really dumb because we haven't lost the damage die. No, it's funny because they what it forgot. could do, well, what it oh, could do and up. ultimately do is that it, it allows probably the players to, <laughs> to live a lot longer than you potentially would if you were penalizing yourself based on this particular rule. So we kind of laughed about it. Uh, I thought it was funny. We still do. Yeah, I mean, so. and again, maybe that's a bizarreish case, but the point is, yeah. is that you're, you're running his. He's running his. Let's say his group decided, you know, we don't care. We well, love. And the I way didn't that ridicule plays. him for it either. No, like, and I'm, I'm oh not saying God, you did. Phil, you're for crazy. Even though I, you know, it, it's like, fun to rib each other, right? Yeah, but the, the fact is, you're having a, you're having a good time. And if they decided that they at their game table for their forbidden lands, that's how they want to play because they're sure. having the most. That is helping them facilitate the most amount of fun. It doesn't matter if that is a unpublishable idea, if that's something that would wreck everybody else's blah blah well, blah. This is it a little different because they literally forgot that they uh, had to I, do this. I know, this. I, I know. Yeah. I just, I'm taking it somewhere else, perhaps. Sure, sure. Anyway, all right. I fucking rambled about this and I didn't make a goddamn <laughs> point. And I yes, you did. Tried to. The, we'll see what the happens. point. The point is, is that the the the, the game at the table. It's the most makes, important game happening. Is most important, yeah. And that if it's going to be different for a con game or a public game, and you know, yeah, we got to roll with shit. And the, you know, and it, you touched on like banging on people for like not following a rule or implementing something that works or whatever. I did that with my uh, my Streets of Babylon actual play. I'm like, uh, we didn't roll initiative. I just did stuff, you know. Because it made sense. It was what everybody liked. It was fun. It was fun. That game was the most important Avalon game I was running. I did not roll for initiative. Never did. No one cared. It was That's fun. Crazy. We used... Um, That's madness. Brett, you must have lost your damn mind. Mostly, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was... Actually, I talked. I remember talking to Chris Nizak and a couple of, of <laughs> players. And I'm like, I'm going to get dragged for this. I'm going to fucking drag for it. And they're like, who gives you shit? We're having fun. Oh, what gosh. matters is we're having a good time. And everyone agrees that this is this is fun. So again, it's, you know, is it by the book, Brett's Avalon? No, but that, you know, that that's how I would do it. You know, at the time with those players in that scenario, that's exactly what I would do. So, all right, let's quit before I lose more ground. Yeah, and I think the the 
I gotta come up with a title because I don't think it's 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 not publication so much. It's, it's not like, public. It's yeah. It's not for publication and as much as following the formal rule set. It's kind of like you know yeah. What the most important game? I think you're right. Summing it there is the one that's that's at your table right now. Right. Right. And if that campaign is you 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 make a little something, you you tweak the initiative rules, you do something with it. Um, you don't have to go ask Jeremy Crawford or my right. You don't have to go um, find Jonathan Tweet and say, hey, is this okay? You don't have to, for God's sakes, don't ask Dennis Detweiler. Um, He's <laughs> 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 like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> you know, I like Dennis. He's funny. Uh, yeah, anyway, he's a, he's a <laughs> riot, all right. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a darker, he's a darker budget. I mean, I used to think um, uh, Glancy was a curmudgeon, but De- Detweiler, holy crap. But I mean, you know, I love the idea, like you said, Keith Baker, this is my Eberron. What is yours? Mm-hmm. That tells me, and when uh, Ed Greenwood says, this is how we are doing the Forgotten Realms, what he's doing at his table probably looks drastically different than any second edition game I ever ran. And that's totally fine. It's working for them because that at the time when he's running, that is the most important Realms game going on. Because I don't know any others and I don't fucking care. What matters right now is this Eberron game this realms game, this Avalon game, the stars without numbers game right in front of me. Right. I know with mothership, you talked about, you got a little bit of flack, somebody on uh, YouTube because you're too silly, right? It's your game. Right. I think the guys had a good time. I can understand where I can understand where, where the guy was coming from because his frame of mind is it's mothership. It's sci-fi horror. Get into the mode. Mm Hmm. And we did, but I think those guys were jacking around a little bit because they probably knew, like, shit's getting real. I got to bring some some levity to this because otherwise it's going to be like, yep. you know, I might as well be in the thing, John Carpenter's The Thing movie. And that makes me uncomfortable. So, But anyway, you I mean, you run it and you, you tweak the adventure or whatever it is you're doing because at that moment, that Mothership game is the most important Mothership game going on. Yeah. The other games don't matter. And whether, yeah, so when, when you make those changes or whatever, if nothing else from uh, it's, as hokey as it is, sometimes the newer gamers and even us, some of us old guys, we need to hear somebody say, it's okay, man. Remember, the most important Greyhawk game is the one at your table. The most important Blades of the Dark game is at your table. That's the most important game going on. And if you, twi- if you tweak it, you mess around with it or whatever, that's totally fine. You don't have to, an- you're not answerable to anybody else. Maybe it's a gaming police episode. We'll see. It is a gaming police episode. All right, I'm done. Let's let's move on. Die roll. Let's go. All right. Ne- tune in next week when we talk about following the damn rules. <laughs> <laughs> or else. Or else. All right. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points. Gaming geekery. Uh, Want to bring to your attention from Akadukan. Magpie Games has secured the license to create an RPG covering both Avatar, The Last Airbender, and The Legend of Korra. Huh. So, if you are fans of those, that's coming. I'm a fan of Last Airbender. My kids got into that, and I started watching with them. And Did you? I, yeah. I've heard about it. I know the misdirected Mark guys were really into it for a while. My kids, my kids started Legends of, Legend of Korra, and then they got away from it. I don't know. They got distracted by some other entertainment, but Avatar, Last Airbender was pretty good. That was a fun one. Uh, the next one I f- I stumbled across: ten of the best fantasy map generators and world building tools. 
Um, check that out. Some of them we've known, like Incarnate come up, comes up, Campaign Cartographer. I'll tell you, man, seeing the, seeing these, though, even if you're like, okay, those are still the top. That's the, They're still making the list. Sure. And then you're going to get a couple of wild cards you never heard of before. So that's good stuff. Uh, the next one, Mistara. Fan. Are you a Mistara fan? I know enough Brent? about Mistara, but I don't know what's going on lately. So apparently Jeff Grubb had a product when he was at TSR that never got launched for Mistara. Hmm. So somebody wrote Wizards and they said, sure, go ahead. It's fine. Do it. And so Vaults of Pandius is a fan website for Mistara, but uh, the link, so I have a link to that fan website. They're going to actually put it out, I think, somehow. And then and I think Jeff Grubb posted on his Facebook, like, hey, so it's not like- I'm doing this. Yeah, he's doing it. So if you're a Mistara fan, there you go. If you, if you haven't been keeping up in the know for Mistara, which you probably would- if you're, if you're a, a fan, fan, yeah. That's cool, yeah, though. So. Neat. Very cool. And then the one thing that I also stumbled across, which I kind of looked into, um, is that Edge Studios, which is the shoot-off, offshoot, shoot-off? The shoot-off. The shoot-off. The shoot-off. The, shoot the, shoot the shoot-off. Zip-zaps. Ah, um, of Fantasy Flight Games, there are, so the RPGs went off to Edge Studios. Oh, and that's right. Genesis. Okay. They talk, they're talking about, um, they're coming out with, um, a game that's out there coming. Midnight? Oh, Twilight Imperium. Twilight Imperium. Twilight Imperium. But as I, w I thought that was kind of the news, everybody kind of knew that one, but they also hinted at Midnight RPG. So you're talking about the old D20 third edition Midnight. Okay. You and yeah. I both, you still have your book? I, I don't think I got rid of it. I think I kept that one. Yeah, those and the supplements. I had it and ended up selling it. But I'm like, ooh, it was interesting. Though. You and I have talked about it. I'm like, ooh. I got Brett kinda... to buy it. You did. That was like, <laughs> you every did. once in a while, I'll be like, hey, Brett. Yeah, look at this. Look at this. Ooh. Oh, well. Uh, hey, so my, I don't got to pick up a copy. Oh, yeah, oh, then I pick it up Brett? and it sits on my desk for <laughs> five years and I fucking sell it for, at a loss. Another way to keep your collection down is don't listen to people that are talking about <laughs> cool games. <laughs> don't listen. Yeah, don't get caught up in the hype. Don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. But I, I thought, but so the only thing about Midnight, one, I, it intrigues me still. Never ran it. Still sitting mm. on the shelf. Didn't get rid of it. But they're going to probably make it for Genesis. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't. I mean, I have the Genesis core book. I didn't get rid of that. I don't think. Or did I? Shit, I better check. I think I kept it because I think I have Android, the Beanstalk game okay. supplement, Cyberpunk. I don't know if I would play Midnight in, in Genesis system. Not dark enough for you? Well, I think it's... I I look at the Genesis system as originating from Edge of the Empire, and then it went to Age of Rebellion, and you know yeah, yeah. that's kind of what spurred it. And then they went, "Hey, we could make this an own, our own generic system." So I think it's got some great narrative dice rules, and I think it would would be great. But I don't I don't know I don't know I don't know. I got Genesis. I started looking through it. And I'm like, the core book didn't have enough for me to sink my teeth in. Like, oh, I want to run fantasy. Great. Where are the elves and dwarves, and how do I make those up? 
like what are their characteristics. Now there are some of those in the core book, and then they did come well, out with Mid- Midnight Might Mid- Midnight Might fix that in a way. Like hey, it would, it would. Hey, let, let sure. me narrative dice this fucker up for you, and here's how you do it. Interesting, right? Okay, man. So, but I do. I need that, Brett. I no, you don't, Sean. I you, do. You do, okay, but do. you do. You don't, but you do. <laughs> it's you know you do. I don't know. It's probably way down the road. I'd probably, probably. purge half my collection by then. <laughs> then have I'd room. have more. I'd have, have room. much I'll more. Room. I'll have room at that point. Yeah, I'll have room. I'll totally have room. Anyways, that's what we've got uh, for this episode of Gaming NBS. What are we talking about next week, Brett? We're talking about the regular game group. I'm... Uh, I'm, I, as I mentioned, I, I moved back. I moved back to my hometown, and this happens to be where my main gaming group has been for almost thirty years. And uh, Sean's been just gallivanting around all these different groups. I've been just been sleeping to, around. I've been sleeping it's, around. <laughs> it's time for you to settle down. It's time for you to settle down and get yourself a good game group, Sean. <laughs> settle down, raise, raise a good game group. That's what you got to do. Anyway, we're gonna chat about it a little bit. So we'll see what we do. Oh, I just boy. hope that Christ it's more structured than the mess I made today. So we'll see what we do. This is uh this is the, some of these topics, not this one specific, but there's sometimes we come across the topic where we we're just going to be sitting at a, at a on a bar stool, yeah, trying to shoot the just, shit about this stuff, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you absolutely. know, it may not be like, hey, here are five top things that you can implement in your D and D game to make it better. Like, yeah, here are the six. Here, here are the six points of yes, absolutely. Yeah, That's why we have ch- listeners because our listeners are smarter <laughs> and more organized than we are. I'm sure somebody will take the ramblings and say, you know what, Brett actually had four specific points, and they'll it'll come out. Brett would typically have a highball. I'd probably have a bloody. We'd be yep. shooting the shit about this crap, and somebody yeah. else would mosey up and wonder what the hell we're talking about. Yep. Usually, they Forrest, would usually us. Forrest to Gary. He'd come over and say, well, that's not really not how that works. <laughs> if we're at GaryCon, it's, it's, you know, so. Anyway. Anyway. So, hey, every Monday night, we stream here at 8 o'clock Central Time on Twitch. Check us out. Subscribe. Follow whatever you know, you know the and deal. then um if you if this audio <laughs> i'm stumbling all over the place if you want just the audio version which is the flagship of this show go to any podcatcher and put in gaming nbs and subscribe there otherwise you can see on us uh, see us on youtube give us a like and subscribe there and then tune in this saturday to check out more book Sean gonna go full fucking middle on everybody. Yeah, Sean will get kicked off in five minutes. My accent's <laughs> gonna be all over the place. All right, I know it. like that. All otherwise, <laughs> it'll be videotaped, so you guys can all check it out later. Otherwise, I'm Sean and I'm Brett. Good night and good night and all. This episode of Gaming and BS produced with help from the following BSers: Wayne Peacock, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Sharp, the Duke in Purple. Tendrils, Stefan Dragonspawn, Sky, Rory Weston, Ron Bishop, Roger French, Roger Brassett, Robert Nemeth, Rich Wishon, Ray Otis, Quigley Malcolm, Pure Mongrel, Phil McClory, Perry Besor, Orcus Dorcus, Old School DM, Old Schoozer Roleplaying, Niall Diamond, Mirko Froilich, Miniature Master, Mike Hess Jr., Mike Coleman, Michael O'Holland, Michael Dinos, Melissa Bashinsky, Mark Desaka, Mark Richman, Larry Hollis, Larry Hout, Laramie Wall, Kevin Keneally, Josh Wallace, John Keyword, Joe Swick, Jim Ingram, Jim Fitzpatrick, Jeff Seifert, Jeff Goad, Jay Plata, Jason Hobbs, Jared Rasher, Isaiah Aries Christian, Hoos Carl, Howard Bishop, Henry Newcomb, Harrigan, 
Ghost GM, George Sedgwick, Eric Tavola, Eric Frankhouse, Eric Salzweedel, Eric Jeppesen, Eric Avia. Eileen Barnes, Ed Nyes, David F. Baylog, Daniel Garrett, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, Curtis Takahashi, Craig Shipman, Craig Huber, Craig, Corey Welch, Corey Gonzalez, Cole Kago, Chuck, Chris Steele, Chris Shore, Chad Glayman, Brian Rumble, Brian Kurtz, Bob Fletcher, AWOL Trooper, Angus, Andy Olson, Andy Hall, Adam Grotejohn, Aaron Relia, Aaron Coleman, and One Dollar Adventure Frameworks. Hey, do us a favor. Get this up on your podcatcher. Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Believe it or not, some folks may listen to us and not even subscribe. So smash that subscribe button. Well, don't don't smash it. Hit it with your finger. Gently, caressing it. Gingerly. Okay, this is getting weird. You know the deal. Just hit the button. Subscribe. Thanks, BSers. This This has has been been a Litterbox Litterbox Studio production. production.